has betrayed WCW. He is the third man Look in at this. this picture. Oh, my God. What the hell is going on? Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? I, probably the lowest shot ever given to professional wrestling. That man did right there, Hulk Hogan. What have I been saying all these years? What have I been saying all these years? Oh, my God. A career it's, of a lifetime. It's right down the drain, kid. I hope you love it. Can you you see just those little, sold your soul to the devil. See those little hulksters with the tears rolling down their face right now? We are not going to even acknowledge that three count. Now what happens to us? What happens now to WCW? Excuse me. Excuse me. What in the world are you thinking? Me, Gene, the first thing you need to do is to tell these people to shut up if you want to hear what I got to say. Well, the first thing you got to realize, brother, is this right here is the future of wrestling. You can call this the new world order of wrestling, brother. Look at all of this crap in this ring. This is what's in the future for you if you want to hang around the likes of this man Hall and this man Nat. As far as I'm concerned, all of this crap in the ring represents these fans out here. For two years, brother, for two years, I held my head high. I did everything for the charities. I did everything for the kids. And the reception I got when I came out here, you fans can stick it, brother. If it wasn't for Hulk Hogan, you people wouldn't be here. If it wasn't for Hulk Hogan, Eric Bischoff would be still selling meat from a truck in Minneapolis. And if it wasn't for Hulk Hogan, all these Johnny Come Latelys that you see out here, wrestling wouldn't be here. I was selling out the world, brother, while they were bumming gas to put in their car to get to high school. What you gonna do when the New World Organization runs wild on you? What you gonna do? What are you hey, gonna do? Don't touch me, I'm gonna free the lawyers. Cody, Bobby, Fusky, damn it, let's get back to you. All right, we have seen the end of Hulkamania. For Bobby the Brain Heenan, for, Dust, for Dusty Rhodes, Gene Oakland, I don't know. I'm Tony Schiavone. Hulk Hogan, you can go to hell. We're out of here. Let me tell you something. 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 Well, let me tell you something. Well, let me tell you something. 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 Let me tell you something, man. Greetings Grapple fans and welcome to another wonderful episode of Dire Tribes against the diabolical actions of the squared circle. This is Let Me Tell You Something, where me, Lorcan Mullen, and my co-host, Simon Cross, discuss a facet, a personality, an aspect, a trivia, a minutia of the wrestling world, and expand it far beyond the stretching reaches of imagination that it ever deserved, and we will pontificate until the cows come home. And in this case, the cows will be coming home sooner than they thought, because I'll tell you this now, Simon, I've been carrying you from day one, and I've had enough. I'm leaving you. <laughs> I am turning heel. Ooh, now... Because that is what we'll be discussing in this episode. The heel turn. Not the heel. Not what makes a good heel, what makes a bad heel. Who's your favourite heel? Who should be heel? It's about the singular events. Uh, we're not talking about Shawn Michaels when he's the boy toy. Or when he's with Sensational Sherry. Or when he's the original crotch-chopping DX. Or when he's making fun of Hulk Hogan on Larry King. What we're talking about are 
the moment when Shawn Michaels sent Marty Jannetty through a window, the moment when Shawn Michaels smashed The Undertaker over the head with a chair and felt no repentance for it, we're talking about the moment that Shawn Michaels super-kicked Hulk Hogan in the face. Those three individual moments, whether they worked, whether they didn't, and what makes a good heel turn and what makes a bad heel turn. I'll send it straight over to you, Simon. Can you remember what was your first heel turn that made your jaw drop? From shock. One that caught me by surprise the first time. Oh, okay. I'd say the one that sticks with me in my memory as catching me completely off guard. Um, the first major one I saw was Chavo Guerrero's heel turn on Rey Mysterio when uh, it cost him the championship. Yeah, against uh, Booker, was that? I think it was JBL. Was it? Thing. Well, it was only back, I... when we, back when we did the Great American Bash as a thing. Mm. Um, so that's the first one I actually saw live on pay-per-view and went, whoa, what's gone down? Not my most shocking, though, because my most shocking, I'd have to say, is the Shields breakup, purely for the member that did it. I think mm. a lot of people, and me included, think, well, my Ambrose just might get so bitter and twisted, he'll go off mm. and do his own thing. Not the case. Mm. The Trevor Brown was, it was a shocking heel turn, especially because, obviously, Ray, for those who haven't, like, you know, weren't watching at that time, Ray was, like, wrestling in Eddie's honour, that's what lead inspired him to the Royal Wumble win, inspired him to put it on a line against Randy Orton for no concernable reason, and then yeah. get a set chance out of nowhere and win the title. Mm. And they, they really booked Rey Mysterio strong in that uh, storyline, didn't they? I'll just look at his uh, career arc and how, uh, how how forward he's gone since that point. I think mm. you'll all agree it was a smart move. You didn't see it coming. You didn't see Chavo's turn at all. Did it excite you to the possibilities of what might happen now? It became more relevant in my eyes, Chavo as a character, and it gave the storyline a bit of life because obviously he'd won the title, he'd had his sort of, I've done this for Eddie payoff. There was nowhere really to go with it, that particular aspect beyond that point, and that they still managed to get a bit of mileage out of it, more power to them if that was the route they were going down. So to you, the heel turn both did Chavo a favour and, in a way, Rey Mysterio a favour. Yeah, because Ray is champion. He'd kind of done against the bit the racist JBL, um, with, and JBL with his well, not full blown racism, but down near close to it. Remarks he'd made towards the Latino community, jingoism, and xenophobia, maybe that sort of thing. Yeah, that's, I think that's a fairer term. Yeah. You know, it's, that it's was the, it's the I'm not racist, but school of racism. That's the one. The UKIP school of racism, and that's. Not really a long-term thing to build off. So the heel turn took Ray out of the title picture, but gave him direction and verb. One thing Simon's recollection of his first ever heel turn will reveal to you is that he is a frustratingly young whippersnapper of only 22 or 23 years. Three. 23 now. 23. So I'm of a much more wizened, embittered, older age than Simon. And I actually, although this is fairly late on in my fandom, this is three or four years into it, but I remember a heel turn that shocked me to my core, and some people will laugh at this when I say it, is when Tatanka turns heel on Lex Luger at SummerSlam 94. And I wasn't able to get all the videotapes of all the build-ups, all the roars and, and superstars and whatever before that, but the story that they laid out was that Lex Luger was apparently being courted by the million dollar man Ted DiBiase to join his corporation and to turn heel. And this was only a year after his great big Stars and Stripes Lex Express. So as far as I was aware, just from watching maybe WrestleMania 10 before then, Lex Luger was still basically the number two babyface in the whole company after Bret Hart, and so he could very easily be WWF champion again, and he wouldn't turn heel so relatively soon after being the Hulk Hogan next generation babyface. I mean, I know I'm using smart terminology there when I would still only be 10 years old, but I think <laughs> a lot of people that are smarts maybe become that because they start to recognise patterns and things within wrestling, and then maybe when they go online, they realise they're not the only ones that think this. Because I remember thinking that Bret Hart... I remember predicting straight away that Bret Hart would lose to Owen Hart at WrestleMania 10 and then beat Yokozuna for the world title afterwards, because I figured that the story would then be that Owen would feel wronged again, and that would create their world title feud. So I was kind of savvy to certain things. I could figure out who was going to... You know, I knew that Owen was going to turn heel on Bret Mm. a few months before then. 
But I did not see Tatanka being the person that actually, after accusing Lex of being the one that was going to sell out, being the one that actually sold out, and laying down a beating on him. And this was only a year after he'd won against Yokozuna, by a count-out, but let's not talk about that right now. And suddenly Tatanka, the good-willed embodiment of all the good Native American spirit of the eagle, strength of the bear, whatever you want to talk about, turned heel and joined the Million Dollar Man. And it didn't really make sense that a Native American would befriend a billionaire tyrant. You know, well, not a billionaire yet, a multi-millionaire tyrant, but apparently he did. So that was an example of a heel turn that shocked me to my core. Shocked me hearing about it, because I never knew Tatanka went heel at any point. It's an interesting that that was the heel turn that you cited most recently, uh, where Seth Rollins was the one to turn heel on Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns, and to break up the shield. Now, I mean... I am very keen to do a whole episode about The Shield in the near future, but I think we still need a bit of time. As of recording, this is mid-September. Roman Reigns has just inexplicably beaten Seth Rollins on an episode of Raw before they wrestle again at the Knights of Champions pay-per-view. I'm glad Uh, someone else agrees with me on that. Yeah, I just don't... I I don't understand that, and that's not me... (sighs) That's not me trying to be smarky or, or obnoxious. That's just someone who understands how a story works. You know, Guardians of the Galaxy doesn't work if they beat Ronan the Accuser before they have the big battle scene where they've got to stop Ronan the Accuser. That's not how you tell a story. So that's not me having to go as a wrestling nerd. That's me having to go as someone who's read books since he was three and understands how stories work since he was four. (laughs) But to go with the shield heel turn, what is interesting about that is that there's two types of heel turns that you were mentioning there. What we expected, which was the Dean Ambrose slow burn heel turn, which was hinted at, alluded to for several months whilst they were feuding with CM Punk, and then it seemed like we were close to having it happen at the Royal Rumble, where Dean Ambrose tried to eliminate Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins tells him what you're doing, and then Reigns eliminates both of them, I think. Is that how it went? Yeah, um, Reigns on his way to his uh, 12 eliminations in one Rumble. Yep, so it was slowly building towards that, and then they kind of put the back burner on it, but it was always there in the back of your mind that Dean Ambrose would be the one to turn and break up the shield. And then all of a sudden... After their greatest triumph, where they beat Evolution, and they seem to be stronger than ever, and they're having these amazing, this amazing run that, you know, you can tell at the time, this is a run for the ages. This is something we'll be nostalgic about in five, six, seven, ten years' time. And suddenly, the day after that happens, it's Seth Rollins who smacks Roman Reigns in the back with a chair and then curbs Dean Ambrose. And so that's the shock heel turn. So they had two different examples of what a heel turn could potentially be. What we thought was going to be the slow burn for Ambrose and what turned out to be the sudden, unexpected shock turn for Seth Rollins. So before we go into sort of the shield element of that, and we don't even necessarily have to go back to that, do you have a preference do you prefer a shock heel turn that takes you out of nowhere, but if you're not careful, becomes a Vince Russo-esque turn them for the sake of turning them? Or do you prefer the slow burn that doesn't give you that sudden, oh my god, I can't believe what's just happened, but in theory, it's a logical story being told, and you can understand the motivations of the characters because it's kind of been laid out to you over weeks and months ahead of time. Do you have a preference? Ooh, um, I'm going to sound like a mealy mouth fence sitter here so long as they're both executed well i'd say i'd give a slight edge to the slow burn but both of them have their merits of course um in terms of i think what my personal preference i'm leaning slightly towards the slow burner one but what's more important to me regardless of what type it is is that it's well executed and coherent Mm. i think that's a far bigger factor than the type of turn it is in whether or not i'll enjoy it or not Mm. It has to be a slow burner that makes sense, or it has to be a shock twist that makes sense in hindsight. Although, I don't think you can really argue that there were any clues in hindsight that Seth Rollins was going to turn on the shield. Other than the fact that they were all very selfish. When the shield started, they were kind of hypocritical with what they perceived as justice. So in theory, they were heels already, and they'd only really briefly been babyfaces. Yeah. They've really only been baby faces officially since around the time they were feuding with the Wyatt family, definitely when they started feuding with Kane, and then for certain 100% when they feuded with Evolution. Yeah. Or would you disagree I'd with say, that? 
I'd say Wyatt Family was tweeners versus tweeners in a mm. very, very rare occurrence that you mm. seldom see. Mm. I'd say they were turned after the New Age Outlaws and, and Kane laid in, and all those tag teams laid into them for like on a pre-orchestrated attack. That's the moment they turned mid-March, I'd mm. say. Okay. So, so that means literally Seth Rollins was a baby face for no more than two months. Yeah. So Let's in theory, the he's, and, and the shield didn't really change. They were still badasses that beat people up. It's just mm. this time they were beating up the bad guys instead of the good guys. Yeah. So you could argue that it shouldn't have been that shocking if you knew the character of Seth Rollins as he'd been presented over the past year and a bit. But it still shocked us. And yeah. did it shock us because we'd seen the slow burn of Dean Ambrose and we expected Dean Ambrose to be the one? I think it shocked us partly because of the Dean Ambrose factor. Um, partly because, as you mentioned, they'd only been ba- well, they'd only been baby faces for two months. I mean, two of them still are, mm. of course. Um, but the fact that we only got to see a glimmer. I mean, fans, I think smart fans especially, maybe come and... and regular marks i think when someone's turned they expect them to stay on that side of the fence for quite a while mm. like you don't flip and flop back and forth mm. and unless you're being written by vince russo unless you are being written by vince russo or you're the big show <laughs> yeah or you're the big show because he is interchangeable he's, um, he's he's like he's he turns like a weather vane in hurricane katrina that man you don't know where his allegiances lie i think he could turn on himself I think he could suddenly see himself in the mirror and go, I'm evil now, and punch his reflection punch in the face. <laughs> he then, turns in the cry same and be way that like his mask. baby face. Yeah. <laughs> he turns in the same way that Kane now turns his mask on and off. I'm Monster Kane, I'm Corporate Kane. It's mm. like, look, each time you do it, it just diminishes the value. But that's a separate issue for a separate day. Yeah. Um, but no, my core point was the fact that those two factors were surprising about it and I think a third was we'd only had two matches like two major matches where there were faces they just won they 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 had accomplished something they were faces who had just achieved their goals mm. and there were still goals you know, yeah they'd beaten one of the best groups of stables of all time mm. hands down evolution especially of the modern era mm. and they could have revisited the Wyatts and got a clean one over for them, I suppose, but there's no other faction after that for them to beat. But they would have had a good, you know, they've got plenty of heel opponents to go against. Mm, mm. They could, so have, they not... could have split off in their own directions, but still been under the Shield banner. Kind of like what you know, during the DX run in '98, they would have their separate issues mm. that would come together for a joint cause. So Triple H would be off fighting one guy, the New Age Outlaws would be fighting the Headbangers or something. But if one of them was attacked, then the others would come out to save them. Yeah. That, that, you could have done that. You could have had Dean Ambrose feud with someone, uh, or did have Rollins and Ambrose feud with a tag team, Roman Reigns be going after Triple H, and they could help each other out. Yeah. Not even have to appear on screen together. But they decided against that. They decided to go with Seth Rollins. And it, from what I understand, from what I remember reading, it was Vince's decision on the day to do it I, I might be misremembering that but it was very short notice so obviously it must have come a shock to all of them as <laughs> well as the fans it was basically maybe vince just being on a whim and we he, know well, vince is slave to his whims he is known to yeah he is known to uh change things on on the uh dime piece in that regard so you were saying about a shock term with someone who was only their uh, baby face for a couple of months so maybe we shouldn't have been so shocked I think the best example of that is probably when The Rock turned corporate champ back in 1998 because he'd been a heel right through to SummerSlam 98, leader of the nation, and then suddenly the fans started cheering him. But he never changed, really. Even when The Rock was a babyface, he didn't really change that much. So, Which kind of worked because... If you lose all of your heel edge and become a completely different character, then a subsequent heel turn doesn't necessarily make sense. Like, how does it make sense for the big show to be all happy, smiley, happy-go-lucky, and then try and go back to being a big, nasty bastard, and then be happy, smiley, happy-go-lucky within six months' time, and then be a big, nasty bastard? 
there's no there's no consistency to the big show character no with the fi- with the heel turns and the face turns but there was consistency with the rock's character after he 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 turned heel first time for logical reasons because the fans hated him so he'll hate them back yeah then he seemed to turn face seemingly for logical reasons because he was just a cool badass who'd become a bigger star in his own right through leading the nation and being the young lion that took down the old lion in Farouk. And mm. so he was just this prideful man that was now charismatic and had kept taunting, claiming he was still the people's champ, but find that people liked him. Yeah. To going on a dime back to the corporate champ. And like I said, he never changed. He, if you saw the rock of SummerSlam 98, it makes sense for him to make a deal with Vince McMahon and them lot to become the the WWF champ three months later at the Survivor Series. Yeah. Then he became the babyface again a few a few months time, and it still made sense because he was the badass cool guy. That he was funny. Then he kind of became the pandering babyface, but then the pandering have made sense to him then becoming the Hollywood Rock of 2003. <laughs> he was always an egomaniacal asshole. Yeah. And it's just. It's whether or not you like that about him. It's whether or not. you like that or not about him, and that egomania then became I'm gonna be a movie star and then the fans didn't like him anymore. Um similar aspects with someone in the modern era, um well, someone that's even faced the rock, is CM Punk. He can make his preachiness, um, like, you know, preachiness against the system like his Vince McMahon, I'm walking out of here angle. Um or he can make it work against him and like make the fans hate him with a la straight edge society or saying saying to the rock it's like you're boxing with god going Mm. against oh yeah he has the way of keeping his character exactly the same but making you like him or hate him just purely with the way he does it punk has always been a prick that's a simple fact of the matter in ring of honor he was a prick in ecw he was a prick he was always a prick he can be a prick in real life based on testimonies from some people. Based on the testimony of some of his best friends, he was a prick to them the first time he met them. So it's very believable for him to be a heel. But he also knows how to turn it because we all have a bit of a prick inside of us. Not the best choice of words. Not the best choice of words, no. But all of us can be a prick. And so I think that you can relate to that in punk. And... Here's another good example for you. When Jim Cornette was turned babyface, this is even before my time, but watching back in the old footage. When Jim Cornette and the Midnight Express were turned babyface against Paul Heyman, well, when he was poorly dangerously, and the original Midnight Express, Jim Cornette kind of summed it up as to the fans. It was like, he's a snot-nosed prick, but he's our snot-nosed prick. And this Yankee from New York City... We're not going to take any of that from him. We can badmouth him, but you can't. So, yeah. so it made his he worked well as a babyface against Paul Heyman, but then when he turns heel again, it makes sense for the character to be heel. Such as okay, so let's go to the ultimate shock heel turn of all time. What do you think I'm talking about? There's one of two problems. Now, the one I was thinking of and was going to mention in Ultimate Shock is the third, infamous third member of the NWO being one Mr. Hulk Hogan. That's exactly what I was going to say. There's a great moment in that, actually, when he turns here. I know everyone has a go at Bobby Heenan for saying whose side is he on when he comes out and blowing the shock in hindsight. Mm. But I still think that doesn't change people being shocked Hulk Hogan turning heel. But there's this great moment where Bobby Heenan said, I told you all along. I told you. I told you he was like this. And it made sense because Hulk Hogan had always said Hulkamania is running wild. This is where the power lies. He'd always been an egomaniac who believed in his great godlike powers. The only difference was now he'd aligned himself with the NWO and just been honest about how great he thought he was. It was just a twisted... It was just a dark reflection of the same mirror Person. image. Is well, look at some of the characters he beat when he was a face. He beat the ultimate warrior. He beat Earthquake. You know, mm. He was beating people that make him sound godlike when you defeat people like that. Mm. Just to get my nerd glasses on, he didn't actually beat the ultimate warrior until Halloween Havoc 98 when he was heel, Hollywood Hogan. But you're right, he beat giants, he beat Earthquakes, he beat um, macho men. 
<laughs> well, I'm of course referring to his WWE run where he obviously established his initial reputation. Yes, just to yes. counter nerd you there, yeah. But which he I did see carry your nerd, and I raise you a geek. <laughs> I see your geek, and I raise you an Asperger's-like quality to recite the 15 most important championship matches of 1973. Um, that that shocks the world. I mean, obviously, you know, um, fans throwing rubbish into the ring. Mm. Just this whole outlandish nature, especially from... It was more the thing... It was the cherry on the cake of the NWO mo- like, um, initial movement. Obviously, Scott and Hall um, saying they were still under contract to WWE and declaring war mm. before the whole legal recompense that came through from that, mm-hmm. which created this maelstrom of chaos and what's going on and who are these guys and what exactly is the nature of this threat. Mm. And then to have... An icon like that attach itself to it creates this unstoppable maelstrom. Mm. That in itself is shocking for yeah. you know for someone of that of that magnitude to attach themselves to it. Never mind when it's train, eat your vitamins, say your prayers, guy that Hulk Hogan was. And every subsequent NWO turn was just a diluting of them trying to get that original moment. Be it the giant turning to the NWO, be it Buff Bagwell, be it Macho Man Randy Savage when he turned heel. I mean, they could all be shocks in themselves, or mini-shocks, but that's what they are. They're after the initial earthquake, they're the... What, what are they called? Aftershocks. Yeah. Like, every subsequent NWO heel turn was a diluted aftershock of the original um, Hogan turn. Mm-mm. And that was a big problem with NWO eventually becoming too bloated. As uh, shocking as it could have been in that moment when Scott Steiner turned on Rick Steiner, it's never going to match Hogan. Or when Bret Hart did it, it was never going to work as much. Because A, it was, like I said, it was diluting. B, it didn't make sense when Bret Hart joined the NWO. There was no logical reason for it. There was no explanation for it. It didn't yeah. fit with the Bret Hart character that had turned heel on America through his own pride and frustration. In WWF. Yeah. This was Bret Hart turning heel because I'm a wrestler and sometimes I wrestle heel, so I have to turn heel. Bringing it back to an earlier point, I mean, obviously the initial three you listed with uh, Mr. Shawn Michaels, do you think Michaels' turn on Hogan had the same feel to it? I mean, we got a great, a deep, very good program out of it. Don't get me wrong, but was and there a sense of I'm, match. yeah? It, was there a sense of we're doing this for the money or because it's the script? I think again, just to go back to my original point, my my original thesis that a heel, a shock heel turn works as long as you have the groundworks that he could. This would make sense with this person. Shawn Michaels has always had the heel in him. He, again, he didn't really change. He stayed the heartbreak kid when he was face or heel. So Rim's turn heel on Hogan. It was kind of arbitrary because they wanted to have the dream match and someone had to work heel, I guess. But it was... And also, another thing that helps is just... I mean, we'll give it its due when we do an episode. I'm sure we'll do an episode about finishing moves. The switch in music is such a perfect move for a heel turn. Oh, yeah. Just out of nowhere. Well... Shawn Michaels, his three heel turns have been predicated on two switching musics and a chair to the face. Those were the, the heel turns of choice, and you don't get anything more sudden than a switching music or a chair to the face. So that, and like Seth Rollins, he, it was just a sudden weapon shot. A sudden weapon yeah. shot. Unexpected. Especially if they film it well. Where you, weirdly, one of the best examples of a heel turn being filmed really well was when Jonathan Coachman turned on Shane McMahon, where suddenly a steel chair comes swinging out of nowhere from off camera, and then the camera pans across to reveal that it was Coach. You know, it's kind of like, you know, who shot Mr. Burns, who shot JR, suddenly who shot Shane changes angle, and it's, it's Coach, it's Coach! Coach is driving the Hummer! Shawn Michaels' three heel turns are probably three great heel turns. They all had an emotional weight because of what they were. It was breaking up a long-time tag team partner by literally smashing him through a window, which was, I don't think you really, I don't know if you'll grasp how violent an image that was in that period of wrestling. Mm. I mean, it would have still looked pretty intense in the Attitude Era to an extent. Yeah. But just that, smashing him through a window, you don't get a more violent and bloody a full stop 
to a friendship than that. There's well, the no real most, going back from there. Two most violent interviews of that era in terms of what I've seen is that mm. and the Rowdy Roddy Piper Coconuts the Face of Jimmy yeah. Snooker. And that's like that was like seven years before then. But yeah, of that era. Kind of very similar. And then you've also got when uh, Jake the Snake terrorised Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth with, with a cobra at their wedding reception. Oh, yeah. That's another great example of a heel turn. But that was kind of predicated by a previous heel turn, I think. My, my history of that era is wobbly. But mm. it was also a storyline where, I think, I think it must have been that one was first, where he turned heel in a video segment with the Ultimate Warrior where he was supposed to be training him how to fight evil with evil against the Undertaker, and in the end, a snake came out of a box and poisoned the Ultimate Warrior. (laughs) Then he attacked the Macho Man. It's cheesy and it's silly, but again, it does fit fit in with the character. It fits in with the character of Jake the Snake Roberts. He's always been slippery and slimy. It's just the people that he's feuded with have been evil people in the preceding few years but if if a good guy wronged him he would turn like that and not be averse to any kind of hitting him with a snake canary yeah he will get a snake to bite you you know he used a snake on andre the giant he's not averse to using a snake on miss elizabeth if he has Mm. to again jake the snake robert's a great example of a guy that can work both heel and face and both his heel turns and his face turns have been very um, energetic and exciting with your smart hat on, then. Okay, I shall put it on at a nifty angle. A shock heel turn far more shocking when it's done with a character that uh, you've attributed can't work as a heel. Well, I mean, I think like a lot of people, I always assume Seth Rollins would be the one of the S.H.I.E.L.D. members that probably lent himself more to being a babyface because he used high-flying moves That that's all about getting the crowd on their feet, getting them exposed excited and that's really something that more traditionally than not a baby face should be doing so seth rollins always had the move set and the look more of a baby face compared to ambrose and reigns everyone thought Ambrose was going to be the heel yeah so obviously it did surprise me that of the three to turn heel you're turning rollins heel so that's me with my smart cap on like uh that is poor booking on a long-term basis but Seth Rollins' run so far has been pretty decent as a heel. So, And Dean Ambrose has caught on like a baby face, the likes of which I don't know. Well, I mean, everyone knew that Dean Ambrose was something special, but he's, he's almost ahead of himself. He was supposed to have the evil heel run yeah. before he has the Roddy Piper suddenly turning on adorable Adrian Adonis and becoming as beloved almost as Hulk Hogan run. That's an example of me being shocked from a smarky booking perspective as well as... So that's actually, again, to give this Seth Rollins heel turn, that event credit, that shocked everyone. No one saw it coming. Yeah. Not the, the, the fan that just watches for fun, not the smark that watches it to show this because a lot of smarts really just want to always be ahead of the curve to say i knew that was going to happen i knew that was going to happen i didn't know that was going to happen and therefore i'm scared and confused and i don't know what's going on and i'm going to complain although to be fair sometimes the online community do love being surprised when it's something that excites them with logic again like the nexus i don't know if you can call that a heel turn there was no real heel or face dynamics really established with the NXT characters. Well, they were the villains. They were the villains, but were they the villains before they attacked John Cena and CM Punk and Luke Gallows that night? Were they heels? Were they faces? What were they? They were kind of unknown to most fans to an extent. They, I'd say they were tweeners that turned heel, uh, to use the old get out fucking clause of the yeah. tweener. Mm. Um, I obviously mentioned it earlier with... Why it's uh, shield? Actually, just to go to the tweener quickly. Can something be a? T- can someone have a tweener turn? If you have a hate a heel turn and a face turn, does someone turn tweener in a moment, or is it just a slow burn thing where he's a heel that's getting cheered or a face that started cheating, but they've never had that moment? I can only think of one turn that could be considered a tweener turn from my memory. I don't think you can manufacture a tweener. I think it just happens. Like my classic, I'm going to go back to it, the Wyatt Shield. Mm. The reason that's a tweener is because people wanted both sides to win mm. almost equally. 
and people wanted both sides to lose almost equally because it'd be interesting to see how they would handle it. I want to do a whole episode. I genuinely want to do like a bumper thing. I don't know whether a video presentation or something about how brilliant that match was at Elimination Chamber and how it's at the peak of what the WWE can do but don't do. It should have been on the WrestleMania card. That's yeah. the way I feel about that. But that's uh, that's, that's for another that's for another discussion. The only example I can think of what could be perceived as a tweener turn when Diesel attacked Bret Hart after winning the WWF Championship from him at Survivor Series '95 because it was a no holds barred match, but Bret Hart kind of worked as the heel in that match, even yeah. though it was no holds barred. He was the one being sneaky and tricky, and he ultimately beat. Diesel by chicanery really in that he feigned being more injured than he was Diesel showed sympathy Bret Hart rolled him up in a small package after being sent through a table a few minutes earlier Yeah. Diesel immediately just loses his rag after being wronged and power bombs him a couple of times you could see it as it's like the equivalent of John Cena being attacked one week and coming back and getting his own back the next week he uses an yeah. equal amount of uh, viciousness, underhandedness, and he's meeting out revenge. And that's what Diesel sees himself as doing. Next night on Raw, he says, if you want to put your hand out, I'll high-five you. If you don't like me, you don't like me. There's nothing I can do about that, and I don't care. He feuded with Bret Hart. He feuded with The Undertaker, baby faces. Yet, he remained friends with Shawn Michaels, mm. fellow baby face. And he wrestled guys like Owen Hart and David yeah. Boy Smith, heels. And it was only until he turned on Shawn Michaels, you could argue, that that was him being fully-fledged heel, arguably. So that's the only instance I can think of that had... Because I'm not... I mean, I, you've used it a few times, and it's not like I'm shuddering at it, but I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge fan of the term tweener. It almost mm. feels like something that was invented by the online community as if it were a bit of inside lingo. I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe tweener is a, a thing from the backstage, but I don't know if Austin said... Hey, I had a great run as a tweener during the uh, Heart Foundation feud in '97 until I turned babyface. I think it's, I think the online community maybe like more, and Vince Russo probably likes a lot that sort of shades of grey. Well, in Vince Russo's eyes, everyone's a tweener. But... Yeah, yeah. In the I think I'm gonna turn you heel because I swear to God. No one's going to see that coming. Yeah, everyone's going to see it coming the 59th time. Because th- th- wow. there we go. There's an example. The heel term being used to death. And it being used just to shock. Example of a stupid Vince Russo heel turn. And I'm sure he'll now claim, I wasn't even in charge of the book when this happened. But when Hacksaw Jim Duggan suddenly became Canadian, you know, Team Canada and turned on America back in WCW in 2000, and joined yeah. Team Canada. Hey, no one's ever going to expect it, and we'll shave Jim Duggan and we'll make him pro-Canada. That's fucking stupid, you know? It doesn't make sense. And there's nothing that said it was going to happen. There was the no only... reason for it to happen other than it surprises mm-hmm. people. See, the only parallel I can draw with that, in terms of a heel turn where a guy turns back on his country, his own country, is the Sergeant Slaughter heel turn during the Iraq War. Mm. Uh, Again, something done, I think partially because no one expected, but something done in such a bit of a crass and underhanded manner. I mean, typical McMahon, when he's like, you know, on a tilt and wants to exploit a real-life situation, Mm. R.E. Mohammed Hassan, um... You know, he's a cat, it's, he's, he's, you know, it's just like, you know, someone's desecrated the American flag. Oh, and it's Sergeant Slaughter, you know, and it's guy who is, as a babyface, his character was man who loves America to the point where he would die willingly for America is now suddenly an Iraqi sympathizer. Mm. And that is where the character changed drastically. And when that happens too much, yeah, the heel turn doesn't really make sense. Yeah. I mean, you could argue that Sergeant Slaughter had been out of sight for so long to a WWF fan. It was kind of out of sight, out of mind. If they did remember him, they'd remember him just as much for being the sadistic drill sergeant as they would for the patriotic babyface mm. that feuded with the Iron Sheik. So well, perhaps it's the fact can, that I've got a limited knowledge of like Slaughter around that time, but that's just the way I perceive it, I guess, from the outside looking in. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know much about. I didn't really know anything about Sergeant Slaughter as a babyface. I just saw him as a heel, uh, Iraqi sympathizer, and 
I mean, the whole thing was just silly, but I was seven, eight at that point, so I was like, he's bad, boo, Hogan good, yay. Again, I think I've said this uh, before, sometimes I, I miss those days of not knowing. Do you miss that? Do you miss that? That um, Maybe even if Dean Ambrose had turned heel logically, but you could have still been shocked by it. Do you wish you could still be shocked by every heel turn like I was with Tatanka, like you were with Chavo Guerrero? Um, you would I... probably now have read online that this is what's probably going to happen, or you'll have seen so many people say this will happen because it's obvious because you can look at it. I've watched wrestling for 20 years, so I know exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the day that anyone's able to predict it all 100%. Mm. No, it's it's not that when I speak to people who have like watched it for longer or have more insider knowledge, I now feel jaded in, in that sense. In the sense I do feel a little bit jaded and miss out is that I don't have that childlike innocence because I guess our minds have become willingly more analytical about what we're... Mm. Taking in, but I think that's as just we go into of minute up. fifty of our conversation or whatever it is, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's I think that's just part of growing up, though. I think that was true of any form of entertainment. Um, mm. That's why pop songs that you know that you like when you're eight, you yeah. suddenly realise why they're made that way mm. for you to like when you're eight, when you're fourteen, for example. Or you when understand you're verse, chorus, verse, chorus, bridge, chorus, 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 chorus. Mm. Yeah. I understand that the subliminal references are the there's a certain beat that's designed just to make you like it no matter what. Or, or, or an example being this summer, um, we saw Guardians of the Galaxy, and really, really, really fun film, really good film, like one of my top ten of the year so far. Um, my mate's only criticism of it was I knew exactly where it was going to go at the end with the big shooty fighty action scene with all the ships and it was going to be all Marvel big explosions loud noises doesn't really mean anything and I understood where he was coming from but I did also say to complain that a Marvel comic book movie ends with a big action fight scene is like complaining that a Rocky movie ends in a boxing match it's <laughs> It's, it's what it is. The package. Yeah, it's, it yeah. comes with the deal. So, and that's kind of thing with wrestling. You, you can't complain about someone turning heel on John Cena because ultimately John Cena will be the babyface. And if he's going to have a program with John Cena, John Cena ain't going to be the one to turn heel. Or is he? If now. we said this now, and I mean, there's a there's a small like two percent chance, but. If, John if it's happened on SmackDown, which is obviously recording on my Sky Plus right now, <laughs> I, I I'm be more, uh, as we speak, Night of Champions has not been on. I mean, this might be coming out like a month or so after, so That's maybe true. John true. Cena has, as Emperor Palpatine, sorry, Paul Heyman said, embraced the dark side and turned heel. If you want to talk about a slow burn heel turn that's okay. made sense to happen, if it John Cena ever turns heel... That's a heel turn ten years in the making. It's a heel turn I don't think will ever happen, though, so... I no, wouldn't. it feels like it's time to have happened has come and gone. See, that one would shock me. If oh, you yeah. want one that would genuinely shock me now, that. That right there. That, do you think that would equal Hogan turning heel for the NWO? No, unfortunately. The reason I think that is because it's alluding to a point you made in, uh, just now, is saying that time has come and gone. Mm. It's got to the point now where... A section of the fans, when it, if it, if it was to happen, would go, oh, I knew that was going to happen because yeah. you know they they've been wanting it for so long. They think it's going to happen. And also, like, I think I think John Cena addressed this in the Raw. I haven't seen it, but I think he said, if I were to do that, you know, he's made his all these jokes about, hey, I'll do a shimmy, maybe I'll do a little heel turn. If I do that, all the people that were booing me would start cheering me. So what's yeah. the point? Yeah, <laughs> which is kind of as explicit a statement as saying. I, it's, it's weirdly as almost as close as it comes to like a like an acknowledgement of wrestling being fake almost. It was like wrestling's fake, but John Cena's real. As weird as that sounds, that was kind of what was being alluded to in that in that speech. Uh, I think it was more of a subtle dig at those guys saying those guys just like like to like the guy that's acting like an ass mm, because well, they're, they're asses <laughs> because they're asses. So it's more a dig at the smarks, I think, than a a justified dig. Do you think? Well, no. Uh, you can't ever hate an individual's opinion of you. It's their opinion to create, um, ultimately. Mm. But when it's so polarised as it is with Cena, like especially in certain demographics in terms of age range, gender, things of that nature, 
it's certainly there to make digs at and now it's such an established tool in uh, wrestling culture that yeah you've got to allude to it now if you don't allude to it on a you know at least once or twice you sort of become a naive you see you perceive yourself as naive and not listening to the fact like you have to acknowledge sometimes that you're getting booed even when you're getting cheered if that makes sense that was what the rock had to do at SummerSlam, where he lost to brock lesnar mm. and they did ride those boos i mean that was basically the first night rock got proper booed and then he comes back and he's a heel automatically yeah, and the Rock at that point was bigger than John Cena has ever been, but uh, or Batista at this year's Rumble. Batista, but maybe the reason that they've been able to go with that is that John Cena is too much the perfect corporate embodiment of what Vince McMahon's always wanted. Hulk Hogan was what he wanted to make millions of dollars, but Hulk Hogan was his own ego maniacal monster in his which, own right which is why he moved on to which is why he moved on and why a heel turn for him always made sense in the at the end of the day it was always about the money for hogan and that was reflected by the hollywood hogan character it was all about mm. glitz and glamour for him not for wrestling for him same kind of can be said for the austin character the rock character the john cena character has always been it's basically been superman yeah and and superman doesn't turn heel it's just stupid. Unless he's been laced with some sort of kryptonite. I don't know the, what kryptonites do to what. So for John Cena to turn heel now would not really make sense because we know that John Cena, and they, they, they push this John Cena on TV. It's not just the Hulk Hogan with the Hulkamaniacs and the godlike figure. This is the John Cena that does the record number of Make-A-Wish things. I think it's, I think it's that in particular that will scare them off turning heel. I think puts John Cena off of turning heel, the the, the make-a-wish element of him, the genuine yeah. hard work he has done. That Even the most jaded smart has always like complimented John. The best example of that I can think of with the audience respecting John Cena for his make-a-wish work was when the Ultimate Warrior first mentioned him in his speech and then the Smarks were all booing him and there was all that joke, that's basically every Hall of Fame, that's how it happens. And then the Ultimate Warrior did mention all the work he did for Make-A-Wish and then the crowds, the, the, most of the same fans did applaud him for that. I, you know, I have yeah. the utmost respect for John Cena for all the work he's done with that. Less on the cancer thing because that company that they worked with, with the Pink Ribbons, has some very dodgy political beliefs. <laughs> Well, that and they didn't take Pornhub's money. And, like, you know, yeah, it's a porn site, but they're trying to do a good thing. Yeah. So. I promise you don't. I mean, if it came in, like, very weak-looking dollar bills where you didn't know where they were <laughs> then I can understand on hygienic grounds not accepting yeah. it. But, you know, if it was a, a bank transfer, then that's, that's acceptable. It's I pretty guess. hard to get that sticky. Yeah. I, I've tried. <laughs> So, I think we'll start to wind down now, but not before. It was me all along! Because we talked a lot about the shock heel turns, but we haven't actually talked that much about the slow burn heel turns. That part of the discussion has always been there in the background, waiting for it to happen, and finally it's arrived! Um, can you think, Simon, of a good example of the slow burn heel turn that you liked? I like. I'd argue. I mean, a lot of people think of it as shock at the time, and it was a shock at the time. But I think in hindsight, it may have been more of a slow burn, especially when the way he played off of it. I'm talking about the Montreal Screwjob and the McMahon character, how that was handled. Mm. A lot of people say would say that falls into the shock mm. heel turn uh, category, and the event itself does. But in hindsight, when he you know, starts talking about the Mr. McMahon character and like you know how Brett screwed Brett. When he was always on TV, Vince McMahon, before then, when he was a colour commentator, when he was an announcer, you know, in his on-screen capacities... Vince, what a manoeuvre, McMahon. Mm, He's very much a company man, obviously. Um, You know, it's alluded to that it is his company sort of thing. Mm. And he, he is in the embodiment of it. And as a result, fans who, like, sometimes don't like the direction of the company have an outlet like there he is there's the guy I don't like that he's booking this X and Y way and when he does some both marks and smarks are thinking is a bit wrong and despicable in the Montreal screw job is that the moment where the tape of it hits its climax and then the dynamite of his Hilton goes off or is it short fuse in the first place I there's would, an argument both ways I would argue that you're right there in the you're right, and yet I'd slightly disagree with you. I'd, I'd return it. That was 
a slow burn heel turn to smart fans that were in on all the negotiations, all the practices of Vince McMahon, all the shady dealings he'd done with over the years. Maybe he was a heel, maybe he wasn't a heel. And then the fact that he would just lie and screw over the guy who'd been a loyal company man over 12 years. To the smart fan that knew everything about the Montreal Screwjob, that was the heel turn. I didn't know about the Montreal Screwjob at that point. I remember watching TV Raw maybe a month later, and you see Vince McMahon, and he's being interviewed for something, and it says underneath his name, Vince McMahon, owner of the World Wrestling Federation. That blew my mind. Yeah. Because I did not know that. I did not read those sort of... The magazines I read did not allude to Vince McMahon as being the owner of the WWF. I just thought he was a play-by-play commentator with as much authority over the WWF as Gorilla Monsoon... (laughs) Before he be- actually, Gorilla Monsoon was president of the WWF, so he had more power, as far as I could tell. He was like Todd Pettengale suddenly being re- revealed to be the owner of the WWF in my mind at that point. That was a slow heel turn that was confirmed for the smart fan. That event, the Montreal Screwjob. For the regular fan, that was the start of a slow burn to his TV's heel turn into Mr. McMahon when he makes Austin do things the easy way or the hard way. The Raw, I think it was the Raw before WrestleMania, where Kevin Kelly kept pressing him, do you or do you not want uh, Stephen Austin as your World Wrestling Federation champion? And he says, oh, hell no, because the boss said so. That was the heel turn then that was slow burnt from Survivor Series to that moment. So it was a slow burn, but at two different stages. That would be my two cents to add to your initial... I would agree, good example of a slow burn heel turn to Vince McMahon. Interesting point. Far well, too elaborate and nerdy. Yeah, could be, it could be one in stages, I suppose. I can see where you're coming from there. Mm. I guess mainly because I come from, again, I'm looking back and I knew all, I know all the stuff because I'm looking back and a lot's come out since then and I have read Hitman, the Bret Hart autobiography. So I know at least much depth as one side of it as I could possibly know. Yeah. And of course, I read Power Slam. I've you know looked into it. I've you know done my Wikipedia mm-hmm. reading as well. Um, so I've looked into it as best as I can, and I guess that's why I see it that way. And I've always known Vince to be the owner, whereas you didn't at the time, mm. which does make it seem different, I guess, in that eye, in that sense. So I can see where you're coming from as well. Mm. To give my example of the slow burn heel turn, if maybe the greatest shock heel turn of all time is Hulk Hogan turning on Randy Savage, maybe the greatest slow burn heel turn of all time was about eight years, seven years before that, when Randy Savage turned on Hulk Hogan. Because this was a storyline built over a year and a half of them being friends, but there was always mm. a sense of These are two unstable guys. Macho Man is mad. Hulk Hogan is manic. So this partnership may be amazing in the short term, but maybe in the long term, it ain't gonna last. That was built from pretty much the moment Hulk Hogan was brought out by Miss Elizabeth. So it was like Hulk Hogan had a relationship with Miss Elizabeth that the Macho Mm. Man didn't have with Hogan. And they became friends, united by their love of Miss Elizabeth and the macho man's interpretation of that love gradually warped and warped until he said those lustful eyes they lust for Elizabeth I remember seeing Hulk Hogan hugging Miss Elizabeth in a suggestive way at the Survivor Series and Macho Man looking at it and po- and looking to the crowd and like, what's going on here? And yeah. Jesse Ventura making allusions to it. But nothing ever being confirmed. The Macho Man would still come out to huge reactions, would still act as a babyface, would still defend Elizabeth's honor against DiBiase and Bad News Brown and Andre the Giant and act like a babyface. But always there was that jealous boyfriend that was ultra-possessive of Miss Elizabeth back in the day of George the Animal Steel going after her. And it's just now Hulk Hogan maybe challenged Savage's manhood greater than Steel had. Maybe Hogan affected him in a different way. And again, very logically, you could see, you could understand why, but your trust in Hogan as a good person meant that he was never going after Elizabeth in that way. Because he was that, you know, all-American baby face yeah. out of the scene at Monero. Yeah. And also, girls, yuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, for all those under like 11, yeah, true. So that was, a, I think everyone could see that coming, and everyone could see that in Randy Savage, that, that evilness was still inside of him. 
And that led to one of the most successful main events of WrestleMania history. And it's maybe, maybe, maybe Hogan's greatest ever match. And maybe Savage's greatest ever main event moment, arguably. I mean, obviously, many people would cite his greatest match being Ricky Steamboat, but... I think you can also make the case for that. So that would be my example of a great slow burn heel turn. Again, we could go on about this for ages. We didn't really talk about many heel turns, great or otherwise, in TNA or ECW or what you have you. Doing, I think one day, one episode we're going to have to have a WWE ban and just focus on yeah. elsewhere. Yeah, we'll do that. We'll, we'll make an upcoming episode be a, a entirely WWE free. Maybe we'll talk about a specific promotion other than WWE. So maybe this is your chance now to do a bit of non-WWE stuff. Because the other title I might have for this show would be Legends in Their Own Minds of Wrestling. And at the end of Legends of Wrestling, they very often like to say, what's your Mount Rushmore? So maybe give me an example of four great heel turns. Right. They can be ones we've already said or other ones that you might be able to think of now. Well, one, the first one I've got off the bat isn't a WWE one, I'm glad to say. It's... James Storm's heel turn on Chris Harris and the breakup of America's Most Wanted in TNA. Interesting. I like that purely because James Storm took the I am the Patriot and made it a bad thing in a good way against the guy who had tried his hardest and utmost to defend his country Mm. and then been glassed in the face by accident by James Storm and James Storm blaming him for, you know, having a face, having his face in the way of his glass bottle. I didn't say that. I used to say that with my brother, but my excuse for it was not that I punched him, but that he'd headbutted my fist. Didn't hold up in court, but... No, <laughs> no, I'm still on the probationary list as it is. Mm. So, yeah. Um, other, well, shocking ones, my second one of my Mount Rushmore, uh, one we've alluded to, and the next two are ones we've already mentioned today. Uh, it's Hogan in WCW. Mm-hmm. Got, always going to be on anyone's Mount Rushmore, I think. I think we're going to have some overlap here. Yeah. Shield to, the Shield implosion. Seth Rollins. Okay. Seth Rollins. And my final one. Now, it is a WWE one, but the only reason I say this, and it's probably a facet we don't really have time to fully explore, but it's the only time I've seen a champion turn mid, uh, mid-reign. CM Punk's heel turn on mm. the rock to make the heel character CM Punk because mm. purely because that's the only time I can remember a WWE champion turning mid-reign in my time of watching it yeah that's interesting that's very interesting so I think I'm gonna have to agree with you on Hulk Hogan the heel turn at the Bash of the Beach that's just got to be in there I think it would be hard I think it's more a case now if we ever find someone who doesn't have that on their Mount Rushmore that's mm. gonna be the more surprising thing yeah I agree with that I'll go, I'll add a CM Punk one in there, but I'm not gonna go with him turning heel on The Rock. I'm gonna go with him turning heel on the Ring of Honor fans after uh, what was gonna be his big emotional farewell, where he's won the Ring of Honor world title and he tells the story of, you dumb son of a bitch, I'm a snake. Of mm. course I was gonna attack you. And that was the first time I can remember him referring to a microphone in his hand as a pipe bomb. Yeah. So that was kind of the original pipe bomb promo. And then you had Christopher Daniels come out for the first time in 18 months. And I remember two great moments from that afterwards was when he said, you want to match with me right now in front of all these robots? Which was always like the derogatory yeah. term to the Ring of Honor fan that was just all about Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor, was to call yeah. it robots, R-O-H, bots. And that was the first time I'd heard anyone use that term on Ring of Honor, and I think it might have been the only one. And then there was just this quite attractive young woman that used to go, I don't think she does anymore, but used to go to a lot of Ring of Honor shows. And she'd always hated punk for some reason. And they had a weird flirtation thing back and forth. And Mm. punk just turned to her and just went, I tricked you. And then and then the, the next show, she was in the front row again. And punk just taunted her so perfectly because he just said, you want me so bad. And she's just gagging at the mere sight of it. You have to look it up on YouTube or something. It's a wonder to behold. So that would be my second one. So Hogan at Bash at the Beach, uh, CM Punk at Death Before Dishonor 3. I really am quite nerdy that I can remember all these specifics. Let's think of some other ones. I mean, uh, WWE, 
I guess a great heel turn, well, I consider it a tweener turn as well, if we're going to go with Diesel, would have been Bret Hart at WrestleMania 13, because he was never a heel in my eyes during that run. He remained a babyface, and the American fans were the heel. So that's what I'll say, actually. That's the heel turn. The American fans on Bret Hart. <laughs> that's my number three heel turn. So I, I thought you'd come down a, a pro-Bret in this scenario. Yeah, yeah. That, that'll be my third great favourite heel turn. I think that was fascinating. I mean, we'll, we'll do a whole episode about sort of jingoism and nationalism in wrestling. And fourth, a fourth heel turn. Let's... i tell you what, actually... A better heel turn than The Rock turning on the fans of Survivor Series 98. Because like I said, he was never officially a babyface. Survivor Series 98, when Shane McMahon turned on Austin, he ran out as the ref. He'd been helping Austin all this time, and he'd helped The Rock, and he turned on Vince McMahon. And he did one, two, stopped, and flipped off Austin. And that was just the first moment. It was like, what the hell? That was probably the greatest Russo swerve heel turn. That whole night was probably the the best example of Vince Russo swerves working within the mm. context of a larger story and narrative that was built in the build up to and at that event. Um, so yeah, those would be my four off the top of my head. I'm sure I'll think back at some uh, later and be kicking myself. But Hogan turning Hollywood, so that's the one that we both agree on. So yep. maybe that is the greatest heel turn of all time. Maybe. I think I think it's up there. Definitely. It's got to be up there. Hogan turning heel. Uh, the, um, I would have Randy Savage's one would have come close, but uh, rest for WrestleMania five. So Hogan in WCW, CM Punk in Ring of Honor, the American fans on Bret Hart, and Shane McMahon at Survivor Series '98. Those would be my four favorite heel turns that I can think of right now. I think that's a good place to... Uh, yeah, we'll wrap it up. I think there's another heel turn talk on the cards in the future. And there'll also, of course, have to be an equivalent babyface talk. Oh, of course. Of course. But in the meantime, if people want to follow you online or become your friend or whatever it is you've got going on, Simon, how can they get in touch with you? Well, I am available on Twitter as Simon Cross Free. And I have various other outlets for my uh, ventings and uh, streamings, of course. I am... Streets of Leicester on a Streets of Leicester. One o'clock. Indeed. Just screaming at, you know, cheese Mm. or whatever it's about. Well, If you want to hear me me talk more about a different kind of uh, sporting event and the great spectacle that is football, of course, I I am, of course, a co-presenter on Mid-Table Crisis, a show that I... Have been running for some time now, and it's uh, always an adventure with my co-presenter. Mm. Always an adventure. And if you want to get in touch with me via Twitter, my Twitter handle is Lorcan Mullen. That's L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A-F-A-P-L-E-N. And if you want to read some of my further thoughts and memories of a time spent growing up and thinking far too much about wrestling and many other things... Then you can get my ebook on Amazon, which is Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan by Lorcan Mullen. And my brothers read it and actually thought it was okay, which is a hell of a compliment from him. So I'll take it. Then you'll take what you can get. (laughs) Especially when, if you read the book and you realise what I used to do to him uh, Mm. in the name of wrestling fandom, he knew how uh, Sharpshooter felt. Oh, he did know how Sharpshooter felt. (laughs) But from me. That's Lorca Mullen. And from me, Simon Cross. Farewell, Grapple Fans.
There was once an old man walking home from work. He was walking in the snow, and he stumbled upon a snake frozen in the ice. And he took that snake, and he brought it home, and he took care of it. And he thought it out, and he nursed it back to health. And as soon as that snake was well enough, it bit that old man. And as that old man lay there dying, he asked the snake, why? I took care of you. I loved you. I saved your life. And that snake looked that man right in the eye and said, you stupid old man, I'm a snake. The greatest thing the devil ever did was make you people believe he didn't exist. And you're 